from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Celebrating Powerhouse Women is proudly presented by CAB Incorporated and Capital City Home Loans. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women, the series that salutes and recognizes women leaders making an impact in our community. I am your host, Amanda Pierch, and it is my great pleasure to introduce our powerhouse guest today, Miss Linda Schuff. How are you today, Linda? I'm doing great, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Of course. Welcome to the show. Um, I recently met you at a Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce event, the Chairman's Holiday um, event which was very nice yes. did you get to have any of the um, brown sugar bacon that they I were did. passing around? I might have had several pieces of oh that oh my gosh that <laughs> is my favorite part of the event actually but I digress I apologize um, for our listeners that don't know you through the marketplace um, Linda is with Little Caesars she's a franchise owner her and her husband and I say franchise but I mean franchise multiple so they own 15 stores and actually 12 of them are located here in Gwinnett And I will let her expand a little bit more about her role uh, within the organization and kind of um, taking flight with all those franchises. Yes, so about 17 years ago, my husband and I embarked in the world of franchises with Little Caesars Pizza. We opened up our first store uh, on Indian Trail Road. And um, really, it was Byron's baby. Byron um, started it and I was working in the corporate world selling paper when we first got started and so basically we've evolved here now 17 late 17 years later and we have 15 stores all pretty much locally in this area and really the way it works is Byron does 99% of the operations and the heavy lifting and it's his baby and I get to do the fun stuff I get to do marketing special projects Healthcare, that's not so much fun. Um, community I, involvement. Community involvement. And Outreach. So, yes. Mm-hmm. If you look at my card, it says community coordinator. Ooh, and I so like that. that's what I like to do. I mean, I like to be involved in the community. Uh, I like to network. We, um, so I, it works best for Byron and I to stay in our own lanes uh-huh. because um, he likes to tell me what to do, and I like to tell him what to do. Go figure. So for order us for us to stay married and work well together, we need to do very separate things. And so it's even funny. Our offices are separately on the other ends of the house. Hey, there you go. So. At least you know you need your space. Yes. Well, it sounds like you guys are a fluid and dynamic team, and you both serve different but crucial roles to roles. Excuse me, to the success of the organization. Just out of curiosity, you mentioned that you've been doing this for 17 years, so you're averaging almost a store a year. Yes, that was kind of the general premise when we got started. We basically added a store a year. Towards the end, there was we bought three or four stores from an older franchisee that was getting out of the business, but generally we built one above the other, you mm-hmm. know, built on success. Yeah, each year. Yeah. And now speaking of building, and I'm, I'm just a, a wildly curious person, do you build these like build them out like you you build the facility or like you mentioned you acquired some so obviously they were established and maybe revamped them to make them fit your um, image or you know make them more modern Um, or do you like seek uh, commercial space that is um, what is the word Um, designated for a restaurant 
Right. Like how do you find your actual location space? So finding a location is a process. Um, we definitely seek out strip malls and commercial space. Um, we are dictated by Little Caesars corporate about where you can put a franchise. You can't just decide to open it up down the street, around the corner. You've got to have the right demographic. Um, somebody from corporate will come in and evaluate it. They do a lot of studies on how many folks live in that area. And so uh, the majority of them was Byron going out and finding the right location and then getting approval from um, from corporate. Oh, exciting. Yeah. And then just one more curious question, and we'll move on to, to your powerhouse background. You know how you see, like, a Starbucks, like, on one corner and like not even five miles away there's another starbucks and same thing with like kroger's and cvs's does each of your locations have to be a certain distance apart from another to kind of help you know that one thrive or is that not a thing yes no that is a thing they definitely need to be um two and a half miles to three miles um from each other so that makes sense yeah well thank you for giving me a peek into that the franchise world um linda i would like to start well we we will rewind and hop in our time machine i like to say delorean and we'll go back to the days in boston okay linda um was born in boston and her family's from philadelphia and she was raised in california and has been in georgia for 25 years yeah kind of take us through that transition so I didn't spend a lot of time in Boston. Really, was just born there. My dad um, was going to come back to Philadelphia and start a company. And so we moved back to Philadelphia. He started his own tool business. And uh, shortly after that, my parents divorced. And we moved to California. And so I uh, lived out in California really the majority of my life. I consider myself a California girl. Mm -hmm. um, they all wish they could yes, be California Yes, they girls. do. <laughs> it's a great song. Um, and I graduated college out there, and eventually a lot of my friends were getting married, and uh, I was living out there in Huntington Beach in my first career as a healthcare administration. That's actually what I went to school for. I saw that, yeah. So, yeah, uh, you end up going to school for healthcare, and you're selling pizza. Go figure. And in between, you do paper. So... <laughs> Career paths go many different ways. Yeah. Uh, what brought me really to Georgia is my dad had a company here, um, Art Supplies, mm -hmm. and I was in a transitional period of my life. Mm -hmm. I was early 20s. Um, it was expensive to stay out in California. I wasn't loving my entry-level job in healthcare. I had a boyfriend that broke up with me, and it was just time to make a change. So I packed up the U-Haul, drove across the country, and uh, ended up here in Norcross, Georgia, and um, went to work for my dad for a little while till I could figure out what I wanted to do and how life was gonna progress from there. And kind of find your footing. Yeah, yeah. And where did you meet your husband along the way? Obviously not in California. You met him here in Georgia? I did meet him here in Georgia, and there's a story there I'm smiling because if he was here, he uh -huh. would say, we met at Hooters. Ooh. That is not correct. No. So um, he likes to say I was a Hooters girl. I was not a Hooters girl. Um, funny story about that is my youngest told his nice preschool teacher at his Christian preschool that his mom was a Hooters waitress. Oh, my goodness. So we laugh about that all the time. <laughs> Where did he get that from? What did his, he know about dad. Hooters? Oh, his my dad. goodness. <laughs> 
They have good curly fries, Amanda. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Okay, yes. So actually, Byron and I, I'm going to just put this out there. I yeah. don't always tell everybody this, but we met before there was online dating. So there used to be a go in and sign up dating service where you went in person uh-huh filled out an application, took a picture, a video, and you would go in and um, obviously pay some money. And we laugh about it that um, I did not know this was negotiable. What, so the, Bi- the rate? Yeah. <laughs> so Byron paid full price for, no, he paid half price for me and I paid full price oh for him. <laughs> so I'm still not sure who got the better deal there. Oh, <laughs> I see. That's interesting. And you know, I say there's a lot to be said for the organic style of meeting people pre-online dating. Uh, And that sounds like a really unique way to do so because you kind of had to go in and um, do it in person and then maybe just receive emails of suitors and then it was even before email I used to get a card in the mail that said somebody wants to meet you and so you would physically go in and meet them at the place that they for you guys no you get to go in and have a sneak peek oh you get to go see um what they look like what they're about before you commit to giving out your phone number and would did the ladies kind of have the the right to choose? Does that make yes. sense? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's. I wonder if that service is still around. <laughs> well, congratulations, because yeah. you guys have had a long marriage, and you're the mother of two sons, correct? Yes. And so you guys made a major place here in Georgia. Yes, we did. And what did he do prior to jumping on the franchise train? Um, he did two things. Came out of school as a stockbroker. Um, then went into the assistant living business. His family had some success in that around here in Georgia. And then um, went into his own concept. And that's really how we got to Little Caesars. Very cool. He opened up his own ice cream and coffee shop. It was kind of like a Brewster's meet Starbucks. Okay. I uh, see he, the demand for yeah, that. Yeah. He developed um, all the recipes. And we had that business for about three years. And it actually failed. And so we had a huge failure in our life. And so we had to kind of regroup from there and pick up the pieces. And from that failure, I did a lot of research. At the time, Little Caesars was not here locally in Atlanta, had been here before. Um, Didn't have a large footprint. Didn't have a large footprint. And so he was actually the first one to bring back Little Caesars into the Atlanta market. Wow. That's amazing. I love that you you guys had that experience and that you you just said, you know, we did not have success, but you took the opportunity to kind of learn from um, what wasn't working from your previous experience and turn it around and go full steam ahead into something that is now wildly successful for you guys. A lot of people um, might have been discouraged and gone back into corporate America. Yes. But you guys obviously have the entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to kind of take it back um, a little bit um, to some of the things that you do as far as involvement with the community. I know that you are on the board of the directors, board of directors, excuse me, for the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce. But there are a few other things that stand out within your bio and you and I were chatting about that um, I feel like are noteworthy. So first, I'd like to just uh, mention the red, blue and you and let you talk a little bit about that. Uh, before we dive into some of the other key points. 
Yeah, well, um, we do love to be a big supporter of the community. It's very important both to Byron and I to be able to give back to the community that we serve. And so um, one opportunity that we had is we were approached by the Red, Blue, and You, um, actually through a classmate of mine at Leadership Gwinnett, which I highly recommend that program, Go Class 2018. <laughs> You haven't heard that before, I'm sure, Amanda. Um, Everyone's really excited about their leadership <laughs> Gwinnett classes. Um, but at the time, uh, Brett West was the chief of police uh, here, and he approached me to partner with Red, Blue, and You uh, to serve all of the Gwinnett County police stations, fire stations, and first responders during the beginning of COVID. And so we were really privileged to be able to partner with them. And um, Red, Blue, and You purchased the pizzas from us mm -hmm. at a discount. And we worked very closely at the very beginning of COVID when we really didn't even know how to navigate delivering pizzas, mm -hmm. getting food. It was a very at the beginning. And um, we made it happen. And I recruited friends, um, myself, my son, my kids, everybody got involved and we made it happen and delivered pizzas so now that's mr Raymer's sales initiative correct absolutely so you guys went to like maybe firehouses and police stations and just gifted them pizzas yes that, that, yeah, yes that courtesy like of the red blue and you little caesar's fairy knocking on the door dropping pizzas at the doorstep that's exciting yeah um i know that you you yourself kind of spearheaded an initiative uh, during that time as well, during the pandemic, called Feed the Frontline. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, being a business owner during COVID was extremely challenging, right? Um, and so early on in COVID, I was on a virtual call with a couple of my classmates from Leadership Gwinnett. There was only a handful of us on there. Um, but we were very nervous about the state of our business during that time because people didn't think of Little Caesars as delivery because we had just started delivering through DoorDash in January mm. and COVID hits in March. And so we didn't really have that presence out there. Some of our other competitors did. And our business was tanking. I mean, we were very nervous. How are we going to pay our employees? How are we going to survive? How are we going to pay our rent? Um, and I was just sort of talking this over on our virtual Zoom call when that was new and fresh, uh -huh. and we all love to do them. Uh -huh. I think that's changed a little bit now. We're all kind of over Zoomed that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of my classmates, Kim Hartsock, said, hey, I'll give you some money, and I want you to take some pizzas out to the healthcare workers. I said, okay, that's great. Thank you. Um, I kind of got off the call, went to bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I thought, what if we start gathering money from folks, donations, buy the pizza at a discount and take it out to all the healthcare workers? They were overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I got up the next morning and I just started putting it on my social media. I just started texting people, emailing people. People just started Venmoing me money. Next thing I know, we had enough money to feed um, I know we fed now, it's now Northside uh -huh. Gwinnett. At right. the time it was Gwinnett, but we fed all the local hospitals here and all of the healthcare workers. And it did just- you, Did you go to Eastside? We did go to Eastside. I think I saw a post about that. They were so excited yeah. that you guys came by. Yeah, so we were able to go to all the major folks here and it was really, 
it was a fun time. And I'm be honest with you, it was a scary time because we're driving up to these hospitals and we don't know about the virus and we're yeah. just put our mask on and use our hand spray and right. figured it all out. But they were really appreciative of it and it made it worthwhile. And it just kept going as mm -hmm. people saw my post and knew what we were doing, more money would come in mm. and we were able to do this several times. So Spread like wildfire. It did, it really did, yeah. Now was that something that was specific? Obviously uh, it was, the concept was bread because of the pandemic and the need, but is that something that you plan to continue like as an appreciation or is that something that kind of subsided now that the world's kind of returning back to normal? Yeah. It's kind of breached into its own thing. We've had um, a couple of churches reach out to us, and they have food trucks, and we have uh, provided the pizza through them, and they've done similar things. Um, gosh, I know we've done several other ones that aren't coming to mind right now, but it's kind of just evolved mm -hmm. into people know that we're willing and able to do that. And so when we're approached by different organizations, we will we will go ahead and just do that. I know just recently we went to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta uh, and got involved through Annie. She's fabulous. Aww. And, um, you know. The one in actually Atlanta or the one off satellite? Satellite, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think you, and actually I lived over there too. I forgot to tell you when you're telling me you're from Sugarloaf or lived there for a while. Um, I had some, I lived some years over there in that area. And now we're both in Flowery Branch, so it I seems know. we're neighbors. Go figure. <laughs> Beautiful area. <laughs> I wanted to, it's apparent through um, your initiatives and just speaking to you that you have a servant's heart. And you have done some other things that are really exciting um, in an effort to raise funds for a specific cause. So I would like to mention your Dancing with the Stars experience. You're not going to make me dance, are you, Amanda? <laughs> Nobody can see, but I bet you can still bust a move through through that experience. You got some some moves that you could hang on to. Um, so just a little bit of background for our listeners. In 2021, which is this year, um, Linda raised um, $237,000 while learning to ballroom dance for a... Um, a Dancing with the Stars type fundraiser. Now, when she came in here, I was going to ask her who her dance coach was, and I was going to have to go rewatch that season that I missed of actually the Dancing with the Stars on ABC. But it was uh, similar in concept. Share with our listeners about that experience and um, the driving cause behind you kind of wanting to put on your dancing shoes and, and boogie. Yeah, that was a very unique experience that presented itself to me. Um, I was at a Gwinnett Giving Girls event where I really didn't know many ladies there. And I ended up sitting next to a woman named Terry. And Terry said, oh, I just did this Dancing with the Stars thing. And let me tell you about it. And I said, okay, I love that show. I have watched it from the get-go. And I still do. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. And... Um, I've always wanted to learn how to ballroom dance. And so she said, well, I did it for Alzheimer's. And so you then you raise money and fundraise for Alzheimer's. I said, gosh, my father-in-law is in the middle of that disease. He has vascular dementia. And so we have been involved with the family. The family has been involved for eight years uh, with my father-in-law having vascular dementia. So it is a cause very close to our family. And... Um, I didn't really think much about it. Terry and I went our separate ways. She did not even have my phone number. 
Um, I didn't think another thing about it. And six months later, she had tracked down my phone number. Turns out our oldest kids are friends. Oh. So I get this call from her that says, hey, are you ready to learn how to ballroom dance? And you ready to raise $50,000? And I said, Terry, you didn't tell me you had to raise $50,000. That's a lot of money. I've never done anything like that. And she goes, it's, it's not that hard. It's not that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I met with the Alzheimer's folks, and they kind of gave me a game plan on how you could do this. And I signed up. Uh, it was one of those things that I just sort of jumped in with both feet. I had never ballroom literally. danced, <laughs> literally. I'd never ballroom danced. I had never fundraised more than $200 for a fun run for my son's race at school. So it was all brand new experiences. So um, my year got cut short a little bit because um, of COVID. So we were dancing. I got I get signed up with a dance pro that's local. Mm-hmm. Started my dance lessons with him. In person, right? In person, yeah. We had this great routine done because we were supposed to perform in May at the gala of a thousand people um, at the big annual fundraiser. And uh, March hits. I had just bought my dress. So I had just literally bought my dress, right. got my shoes. We, I was ready. I had really been working the fundraising and had some great success there. And then COVID hit, mm. and they said, okay, we're just going to postpone it, and we're going to ask you to come back next year and do it. And so things stopped for six or eight months, and then we started back up with the idea to do it in person again. Um, went back, and my <laughs> Simone, my dance instructor, he's fabulous. He's like, we can't do that same routine, Linda. We have to learn something new. I'm like, what? <laughs> I just got this one down pat. <laughs> And so we started a new dance routine, and um, unfortunately, Alzheimer's um, decided that they needed to make it virtual mm-hmm. because the virus had creeped up again. Right. And so we ended up performing virtually on a gala. Like in the dance studio? Yeah, well, uh-huh. we went to a dance studio, and they filmed us. Uh-huh. And then uh, they showed it on the gala. And so you got to wear your dress. I got to wear a different dress, <gasps> a dress that came from Amazon <laughs> that they got for you or that you, no. you didn't want to wear the one that you had before. Well, we had a different routine. It was a different oh, dress. Yeah, so I've learned a lot about the ballroom world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just different dresses. With, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And then just you mentioned shoes. Didn't you need to break in the shoes before you just put them on to dance your competition absolutely I would walk around my house out there practicing (laughs) breaking them in now did your husband get to um, benefit from any of your your dancing lessons did he was he already a dancer or are you guys now able to waltz together Um, or did he kind of just support you enthusiastically from the sidelines he was a big supporter and a big help and I would say when we hit the dance floor I now try to lead and don't let him lead which is not what you're supposed to do right but you are the pro so well there is that uh-huh. so with great success the goal was only fifty thousand dollars and despite the world being set back in an odd pandemic state you were still able to surpass that by a hundred and fifty thousand dollars yeah. uh, that's a powerful network so aside from it touching you personally, kind of how were you able to get that many people in, um, to participate or to support? Because I know there are other people competing too, right? Right, yes. So there's 12 of us. 
how were you able to to reach into your network and um, manifest that large of a, a fundraiser? Yeah, well, I hit it from a lot of different angles, obviously. Social media, obviously, is a big help. Um, reaching out to people by text and email um, was a big help. I would I did several different events that helped uh, a local boutique here, all inspired. They were a big supporter of me. They um, let me host an evening there, and they gave 15% of total sales back to the Alzheimer's Association. Nice. I have a lot of friends that like to shop, as mm-hmm. well as myself, Amanda, so that was helpful. Uh-huh. Um, also, I had two different wine events. I'm also uh, a big wine drinker. You're in good company. <laughs> And so I had some wine companies that were willing to host um, events. We did some virtual wine tasting, and 15% of those proceeds went back to Alzheimer's. So I did it through a combination of events and outreach. And if Very cool. if anybody, if I went to my dentist, I would ask my dentist to support me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had a big fundraising party where I did an auction. Yes. And I collected over 70 items to put in auction. and. Basically, um, you know, if I went into your business and I spent money at your business, I would ask them if they would put something right. in the auction. And the auction was a huge success mm-hmm. as well. So. That's what I was, I was going to ask you. I've been to a few um, galas. Do you say gala or gala? Yeah, that's a good question. I say gala. Okay. Like the apple. Yeah. Gala apple. Yeah. <laughs> Where they had a bunch of like sports uh, memorabilia and stuff like that that was auctioned off as well. Um, well, it sounds like you were able to really rally the troops and they stood behind you and you were able to make an, a great impact um, for this organization. Now, am I reading here correctly that you serve on the committee um, for the upcoming gala? Yes. And that you have a friend that, that will be dancing? Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you about mm-hmm. my friend, Sue. So, yes, um, as an alumni dancer, they call you, you uh, sometimes are asked to come on the committee and host the next event, which I've agreed to do. And I've recruited a dancer. Her name is Sue Diamond. Ooh. Sue Diamond is 91 years young. Wow. And Sue Diamond is going to dance in May at the Alzheimer's Association Gala and she's fabulous um she's got so much energy she's gonna be the bell of the ball and she's gonna be the diamond you know Mm -hmm. you come out and watch her Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's exciting is Uh, she gonna have your same coach or dance she unfortunately is not simone has recently moved back to italy so he is not gonna be her coach she's got a new dance partner named william Mm -hmm. and they're dancing over here in duluth at fred astaire dance studio and um, I'm just super excited for Sue. And I have got a friend, uh, a couple, Rick and Judy, who are doing her fundraising and helping her. And so we're kind of all being the Diamond Club and the oh, Diamond like team that. and helping Sue with her fundraising. And um, now you've set the bar pretty high here. Was that the, the highest um, number raised since they started? Was that I did, the most? I did break a record here in the state of Georgia. Good for so. you. What a wonderful record to break. Well, let's well, let's challenge the next uh, slew of dancers to to achieve something in that realm. Um, again, for those of you who are just joining us, I'm speaking with Linda Schuff, and she is a Guanitian now of 23 years, and she is a large franchise owner alongside her husband, Byron. Did I say that correctly? Yes. 12 here in Gwinnett and 15 total. Where are the other three miscellaneous stores? Um, over in Lithonia. Okay. Lithonia? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know that I know where Lithonia is. <laughs> um, over by North Crest Mall area. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've probably been through there, but I just don't recall. I wanted to mention something really funny. Let's take a quick break, Linda. We'll be right back after this. Sounds good. Since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail with their precision machined iron and steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB Incorporated is proud to be a returning partner of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women Series. With strong roots in the past and firm footing in the future, Capital City Home Loans combines an old-fashioned sense of community with a progressive attitude. They are a trusted full-service lender, offering mortgage finance products and empowering their associates to help clients choose the best options. They are focused on being the best and strongest lender in the Southeast. Visit cchl.com locations to see all of their offices, including Gwinnett. All right, and thanks for joining us. Um, for those of you who weren't with us earlier, I'm speaking with Linda Schuff, and you can't see what we have in the studio today, but it smells fantastic because she has graced us with three delicious pies. Do people in Georgia call them pizza pies, or is that just like a northern thing? It depends where they're from. The pies. <laughs> And she was so kind to bring those to us so we can enjoy for lunch. Um, she brought me my own personal pizza. I may or I may not share with the, um, the team. We'll see. But thank you so much for thinking of us. And all of you will get to see her super blinged out Little Caesar shirt, which is super cute. Um, as a marketer and a brand ambassador, you're doing a fantastic job of, of representing and sporting um, all the logo and product placement as well. Well, thank you. And I think I'm really here because of the pizza, uh, Mike. The pizza, <laughs> Mike. Yes, he said, we got to have pizza on. So because we're talking about it, I'm sure you just, you know, sometimes you walk in and you're just like, I can't even smell pizza because I smell it all day. But what is your favorite kind of pizza, Linda? Well, so my favorite type of pizza is a gluten-free pizza. Believe it or not, I actually cannot eat our pizzas. Oh my goodness. I was diagnosed with celiac disease uh, six months after we opened up our very first store. And so unfortunately, Little Caesars does not make a gluten-free pizza, although we tried mm -hmm. to get that done. Yeah. Um, so I love a good gluten-free barbecue chicken pizza. Ooh, very nice. Yes. But Little Caesars has a barbecue chicken pizza? We have um, a chicken pizza. A chicken yes. pizza? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... Oh. From the gluten-free aspect, I apologize. I read that here, but I was not familiar with, with what that meant. So no gluten. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that ironic to own a pizza store and not be able to eat the pizza? I think it's fortunate <laughs> because if yes. I owned a pizza store, I'd be eating pizza every day. When I was in college, I worked at Olive Garden. And uh, Linda... I worked at Olive Garden, too. Oh, they have the best breadsticks. Yes. And they're readily available for the servers. And if you eat a couple of those per shift, let me tell you what, oh, you're going to pack on the pounds. Yes, I so, can relate. Did you have to do the birthday song, too? Yes, and I, it was back in the day when they actually wore neckties. I was just talking to someone earlier about how I learned how to tie ties because I had to wear one every day at Olive Garden. Um, so anyways, I'd say that it's uh, maybe a blessing and a curse that you can't eat the pizza there. Yes, yes. As well. <laughs> I want to jump into kind of maybe a personal uh, personal aspect, if you don't mind. I was reading here about your dog. Is it Romo? Yes, is it is. Say it? Named after Tony Romo. Oh, my goodness. We had, <laughs> we had a little um, bet going on in here. 
before I knew it was pronounced Romo, and, and Michael laughed because I'm not the biggest sports fan, I thought it might have been a spin on like Romano cheese because ah, I mean, in the pizza yes, bit. Okay. But you were totally right. I will do my age in burpees, guys. <laughs> um, I hosted a young lady named Angela Ammons not too long ago. You might have seen her podcast. And she has a little dog named Herschel Walker. Oh. So it was really cute uh, with the sports names. So tell me about the, the three legs. Was he born like that? Did he sustain an accident? Well, um, unfortunately, he had an accident on my watch. <gasps> we were walking in our old neighborhood. And it's a quiet neighborhood, cul-de-sac. He's on his leash. He's on the sidewalk. But I didn't have the leash locked, locked down. Yeah. And um, there was kids playing in the cul-de-sac. And he got excited. He was a puppy. Mm -hmm. And he ran out. And just then, unfortunately, my uh, next-door neighbor's college son hit Clipped him. him. Yeah. So Aww. he's a survivor, least, though. Yeah, yeah. He's a survivor. It happened when he was young. He's 13 now. So it's like he never even knew and, and he had four. And we tried to save the leg. It didn't work. But um, he's he's a, he's a great dog. He's a tripod. He is a tripod. Yeah. He recently, too, just got diagnosed with dementia. So oh he's now goodness. an older 13-year-old dog with some dementia. I didn't know wow. there was doggy, doggy dementia. dementia. No, yeah. So. Isn't it amazing, though, how they can compensate for the loss like I've seen three-legged dogs like sprinting like you know the just like the one and it did not slow them down at all no they were super enthusiastic yeah Romo's been up and down the stairs runs with the big dogs the whole nine yards he's slowing down now but well it sounds like Romo um, overcame some uh, challenges and it sounds like um, that's something that you are no novice to as far as building your business thinking back to kind of diving in and starting the franchise um, endeavor that you guys did or previously um, what are some things that you've kind of learned along the way as far as being successful definitely need to surround yourself with a good team folks that you can trust um, definitely need to be flexible and adaptable because every day is something different that happens and you need to be able to react to that. Um, adaptable like Romo. Yeah, adaptable <laughs> like Romo. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, Through your experience um, of forming your own business and kind of learning the ropes, who was um, maybe a mentor or who was paramount in kind of helping you uh, along the way? Maybe help you learn some things or somebody that was impactful that helped you gain traction to be where you are today I don't know if I have somebody directly that I would say that I would say I was missing a little bit of a mentor honestly um, early in the mid-career I would say that's something now that I like to do for others because I think it's really important um, I did have somebody in my paper career that I told her she was going to be my mentor whether she wanted to or not and so um, Carol was helpful in that. And um, the pizza business was really born out of failure, you know, the failure of the ice cream and coffee and um, just kind of putting on your big girl boy pants and getting out there and working hard. Suiting up. Yeah. I want to rewind just a bit because there's this whole 23 years of your life that I, I skipped over. Excuse me. How long were you, how long were you at Dunder Mifflin, Linda? Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, I did spend the majority of my career selling paper, mm -hmm. originally for international paper for about 13 years. And then the last part of my career was for a local paper distributor here in Atlanta called Athens Paper. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely like the office, if you have seen that. Yes. Um, so I did learn a lot of great training there, though, because I was in sales. Mm -hmm. And so I did have some great sales training. A lot of the old school Zig Ziglar training and things, programs book, like that. Yeah. Um, so I think definitely my sales career was very helpful in our success. Um, you know, knocking on doors, not being afraid to talk to people. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that played a big role. Who, were you, who was your ideal client when you were with um, the paper company? Were you selling to like office depots? Were you selling to small corporations were you selling to who who were you selling the paper to so my role really was to call on the design and ad agencies in the area and i would try to get them to spec our paper so i sold the high-end paper mm. not the specialty paper um and so i would it was great because i got to work with all these creatives they would be creating back then when they were doing annual reports and um, letterhead packages and other uh, exciting, you know, print stuff. I'm looking around for the paper Seriously here print, in the yeah. office here. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was very fun to work with the creative folks. So I would work with them on their project and help them find the right paper that got the message across. Nice. And there's a lot to be said for the quality, you know, I think about being in the marketplace, we get so many business cards and that one that's like a little bit thicker, a little bit more resilient, you know, stands out in your hundred in your purse. Right. So I can imagine um, that the paper that you were selling was high class. Right. Uh, you mentioned Athens paper and I know that the paper industry was large in Rome, Georgia. Did you ever do anything with or are you familiar with Albany International? I did not work with them. And so Athens Paper's um, kind of interesting because they're actually headquartered out of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. They're not local here in Athens, in Athens Georgia, although go dogs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, that was an office joke in reference for our listeners who might not have enjoyed all seasons of The Office oh. multiple times like I do. Um, I didn't get to that season, obviously. I've gotten to a lot of them, but I did not see that one. Uh, well, there's so many, <laughs> so many seasons, Linda, and you can always just, I throw it on in the background while I'm working from home just for a little, a little background noise. I can recite pretty much all the, all the episodes. It's you and my fun. son. My son's pretty good at it, too. <laughs> hey, I'm reading here um, about your community involvement and the initiatives, and something that's standing out to me is Wellspring Living. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I'm from the south side of Atlanta, Peachtree City, Georgia, and there is a Wellsprings Living Center. And it's for women um, that are maybe in a transitional uh, stage of their life. There's also a Wellsprings Living Center. It's kind of like a boutique. And some people work there. Some people shop there. Tell me, uh, is this what I'm thinking of, this organization? And what is your involvement? Yeah, Wellspring Living, um, when I first retired myself from the paper industry about eight years ago. Um, I had the opportunity to take some time to kind of explore some of my passions and what I wanted to do. I was so busy working full-time, being a full-time mom, supporting my husband in his business, that when I finally had the opportunity to kind of retire, I thought, where do I want to spend my time? Mm -hmm. 
and Byron and I had an agreement that I could take a year off and just sort of explore my passion. Mm -hmm. He'll laugh because he'll say I'm still doing that, but (laughs) it's opened up a lot of opportunities, and Wellspring Living was one of the first places I went to, so Mm -hmm. it's an organization that helps women transition out of sex trafficking, and so I taught life skills there, Mm -hmm. and so I got really involved here locally um, in Duluth, teaching life skills, um, also providing pizza, mm-hmm. and we still provide pizza to them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really enjoyed, kind of like we talked about, working and mentoring people and showing them, you know, and giving them some hope, mm-hmm. you know. And something so, yummy. It seems yes. like your pizza has been a conduit to a lot of service-led things. That's true. It's really been awesome to see how that has played out, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, it's been able to help us serve back the community and then get involved with a lot of great organizations. Well, pizza is always welcome here. (laughs) Um, I was talking to you earlier about podcasts and you were mentioning that you listened to a couple episodes uh, previously of some of the powerhouse ladies before us. A lot of them are my friends who are awesome. Exciting. Uh, We do have quite the the large um, network of powerhouse ladies now from hosting for several years. And again, we always want to thank our sponsors, uh, Terry Jondal and Tammy Shoemate, for making this possible. Throughout your time in the marketplace, you you said that you graduated from Leadership Gwinnett. How has that kind of helped play a role within you finding your footing in the marketplace? You mentioned that you're a new chamber member. So Mm -hmm. previous to that, what did you do as far as networking and where did you find value um, in spending your time? Well, I have to say, Leadership Gwinnett really did change my whole community involvement. Um, I just got in there and embraced it, met a lot of wonderful folks, um, and it really taught me how to kind of give back and serve the community. And um, it's just amazing, really. It's all about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you make a relationship with somebody, and they connect you with somebody, and they connect you with somebody. And I have just seen the power of relationships work in my life, both professionally and, um, you know, personally. giving back personally. Mm-hmm. So um, from Leadership Gwinnett, it really just opened up the doors. It opened up the doors to my Rotary Club, which I belong to, the funnest Rotary Club. Which one? Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf. Yes. <laughs> we have that reputation. Yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't but you guys do like something with the rubber duckies, like the duck race? We did. I saw that. Yeah. 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 That's our big fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it's a great way to have a group that gives back to the community. So I love being involved with my Rotary. So from Leadership Gwinnett really brought me into Rotary. Leadership Gwinnett really, um, the connections I made there brought me to the chamber. Um, You know, I mentioned before we got on the air that we lived on either side of the chamber building for the last 23 years. And we always wanted to be involved with the chamber, but didn't really have the time, didn't really know what was going on there. Um, So we recently have joined Chairman's Club and just really have valued all the relationships that we're making there um highly encourage folks to think about that if you're in business Mm -hmm. Um, i wish we would have done it earlier they had a lot of resources we could have utilized it's really a thriving group yeah and the gwinnett chamber of commerce does a lot as far as um, putting forth resources for the members and the community as well i find great value in the majority of their events yeah 
Um, I want to ask you, I see right here you brought the fire about hiring and now is such a pivotal time because the world is opening back up. Um, We are fully functioning as far as business and obviously you're seeking talent. Share with our listeners a little bit about who you're looking to align yourself with and the opportunities that might be available. Yes, I mean, we are hiring. So (laughs) if you have a teenager that needs a job, if you um, have some more experience and are interested in being a shift leader, if you have any sort of fast food uh, experience, we're looking for managers. So we are hiring across the board for crew members, shift uh, leads, and managers. Um, You just simply go to snagajob.com and you can pick the closest location of Little Caesars to you. And you can fill out the application right there and we can get you going. We need you. Come this way. (laughs) Is that for delivery as well? Well, we deliver strictly through DoorDash. Okay. So if you want to have delivery through Little Caesars, just get on the DoorDash DoorDash app. Very nice. um, And order through there. Okay. Am I able to share that right there? Um, We might need to yeah. come back to that okay, we're, re- yeah, no we're revisiting that there, yeah. so the nearest locations we've got Buford, Tequila, Grayson, Lawrenceville, Little Brown, Lithonia, Loganville, Norcross where it all started, Snailville and Swanee all very nearby we'll have to pop into one of yours um, I think you and I were chatting earlier the one closest to me isn't one of your stores I'm yeah. sorry but I will definitely be a patron of of your um, shops before we thank you of course um, before we round the end of the show, I wanted to give you an opportunity to maybe share some words of wisdom with our listeners or some things that you've kind of learned that have helped you um, over the years leading up to your success. Uh, maybe a young entrepreneur or somebody out there that is uh, overcoming some challenges within their career. I would say definitely get surrounded by some good people. Join an organization that helps you. Um we were members of an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization for many years. Um, we're no longer in that group, but it was a great place to have like entrepreneurs, and they can be your sounding board. And so, when you kind of sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, you are out there on an island by yourself. And it's great to have folks that are doing similar type things and different type things so you can learn from them. I think learning best practices from people is always a good idea. I always try to do that in both my personal life and my professional life. I go on my girls' trips and I'm like, okay, everyone say a best practice because, you know, we learn some little life hack, some Mm -hmm. little tip. So I think that's really important. I do think mentoring is important. I wish I would have had a mentor early on. I see the need for it. Um, So I would encourage you to seek out a mentor. Um, everybody is always willing to help. I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone, if you said no, no, you know, I mean, um, and then go go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, you said the best practices. Give me an example. One of your best practices. One of my best practices. Oh, you put me on the spot there. (laughs) (laughs) We can come back to it. I'm taking notes fervently over here. So you are, um, best practices, um, Build those relationships. That's really what it all goes down to. Build those relationships. We call that here uh, in in our world, we call that a return on relationships. Okay. ROR. So people seek an ROI. Yeah. But also their ROR, return on On relationships. relationships I like that. Yes. Yeah. And um, we're making business personal again. 
yeah in an era where it's kind of dissolved the personal aspect of business um we were talking about podcasts tell everybody where you listen to your favorite podcasts spotify, spotify. <laughs> and i listen on apple itunes <clears throat> excuse me linda it has been a great pleasure spending the morning with you and i can't wait to dive into this pizza once we say adios and i hope that you'll share a piece with us Oh, I apologize. Gluten-free, son of a gun. <laughs> I will describe to you how it tastes. I'm sure it will be delicious. Thank you for bringing that in. And for all of our listeners that enjoy this series, um, the shows are available 24-7 online on businessradiox.com. Um, you can subscribe through your favorite podcast platform. Linda listens on Spotify. I listen on iTunes. If you find value in this series, please like, rate, and review. Remember, we are live every Friday at 1130 a.m. And please stay connected with us on social media at Gwinnett Radio X. Thank you for joining us, Linda. And until next time, I'm your host, Amanda Pierch. And this has been Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X.